Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. A very warm welcome to you all, uh, whether you're watching from the live stream um, or whether you're here in the room with us. Um, my name is Rich, this is Tanika, um, and we're part of the leadership here at Revelation Church. Tanika's going to pray and then we're going to kick off. Yeah, Lord, thank you. Um for your word that we're going to open up today. I just pray that you will just help us to convey your heart. Um, Lord, help us to learn to um, lift each other up as we explore that today and just inspire us by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we've begun a series as a church um, called Gracism. Um, And over the course of this series, uh, we'll be looking at the subject of race and ethnicity and its impact on the church um, and what the Bible says about that. Um, So throughout this series, um, we've been using uh, a definition of racism that is thinking, speaking or acting negatively about someone based solely on that person's colour, culture or ethnicity. The Bible talks about grace, the unmerited favour shown by God to all people. And so by combining these two ideas, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as we'll look uh, throughout the sermon and throughout the series, actually flips racism on its head. And so we can define racism as the positive extension of favour to other people based on their colour, culture or ethnicity. Now just to say, um, as we start this morning, um, we've started this series last week. Um, All of the sermons are going to be available online. We also recorded um, a Hot Topics session, which essentially just looked um, to go deeper um, on this subject by way of introduction. Um, It was a couple of hours long. It was just a really good, informative discussion um, and time together. Again, that's available online. There are studies that are being produced um, to track with this series that should help with gospel communities in terms of having this discussion and opening up this conversation, and also will provide a good foundation for your own personal reflection um, and thoughts as we work through this series together. This series is largely uh, based out of 1 Corinthians 12, as we heard um, there on the animation, and today we're going to be looking at I Will Lift You Up. But before we get to our verses today, I just want to pause and just draw our attention um, to right at the beginning there, verse 13, um, where uh, this verse right at the beginning of that reading really should help shape our understanding um, for the whole of this series. It says in verse 13, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks. And Paul, the writer here, he makes specific reference to ethnicity, Jews or Greeks. That if you're part of the church, if you belong to Jesus, if you're a follower of his, then you've been baptized into one body. You've been baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. You've been baptized to be a member of the church. And this is incredibly profound when we start thinking about the impact of ethnicity on the church. You see, this passage reaches beyond many potential barriers to give us, if you like, core values to help us maintain the unity of the spirit that we looked at last week. Unity that was achieved for us when Jesus died on the cross. And so our verses for today, we're going to be in verse 22 and 23 of 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have a Bible, uh, let's just read that again. So the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable are indispensable, sorry. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And so in this chapter, 
we see a picture that Paul paints for us of the church like a body made up of lots of different members. And each, each member has a unique role to play. And Paul extends that metaphor and says that just like a body, where the different parts work together for a common purpose, we too, as members of the body of Christ, the church, we work together, each playing our part with different gifts, with different talents, expertise, towards one common purpose, to bring glory to God by the way we reflect his image. And so now we see in our passage um, that Paul encourages us that on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And I want to highlight something quickly um, that can really help us when we start thinking about this topic of race and ethnicity um, in the church. It's interesting here that Paul uses the word think. Here he says those parts we think less honourable. You see, Paul's making a point that what you think might be true actually might not be true. In this case, it's actually not true. What you think is less honourable actually isn't. We see this partly because he led into this statement by saying that every part of the body is indispensable. Those parts of the body that we think less important are actually critical to the body's function. It's interesting that most definitions of racism include this idea of thinking. it's a step, if you like, before just our speech or our actions. Racism plays out, but it often starts in our mind. And it starts with incorrect thoughts, misunderstandings. Um, and this idea uh, of, of thoughts is actually consistent with the New Testament. The Bible teaches um, that we actually have indwelling sin. That when we are born, our hearts and our minds um, are opposed to God. And actually, our hearts need regenerating. Ezekiel, a prophet in the Old Testament, um, describes it like a heart of stone being replaced with a heart of flesh. And also, our minds need renewing. In Ephesians 4, 23, uh, Paul encourages us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. You see, it's not just sufficient for our speech and our actions to look different. What Paul's advocating here is that our very minds be rewired to develop, if you like, a mind that in 2 Corinthians 10, he describes, takes every thought captive to obey Christ. And further to this, we actually see uh, in Philippians 4 verse 8, Paul gives us, if you like, a tool to do this. In Philippians 4 verse 8, he says, Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You see, so much of what we're exploring in this series starts in our mind. And that's often where the battle is. You see, when we talk about racial equality, inequality... Sometimes we're talking about things said and done, inappropriate comments made about people's features or negative stereotypes assigned um, to individuals, examples that have happened in the church. Um, But they begin with an incorrect uh, thinking, a lack of understanding in our own minds. And and, and we must come to a place where we recognise that every culture has equal value in the eyes of God. And yet every culture is not valued equally according to the world and sometimes by the church. 
And so we must root out this sin of, of, of racism, this inequality, and allow God to renew our minds if we're going to pursue unity together. Um, so digging a, a bit deeper in the passage, uh, we need to ask, are there people that we're not honouring? There, are there people lacking honour? Society, if we look at the media, seem to relish on you know, putting people down. Um, being negative, whether that's due to disability, ethnicity, gender, there's a whole list. The church is called to be countercultural to this. But we are influenced by the world around us as well. And we have to reflect on the context of where we've been brought up, who shaped our thinking. When we became Christians, did we ever consciously think about renewing our minds in the area of race and ethnicity? I bet many of us haven't, and perhaps that's because we haven't needed to. It's really useful to frame this uh, conversation about who is lacking in honour on a macro global scale because it does impact our British culture as well. Many European and Western uh, countries gain lots of profit through goods and services gained from other countries. You look at South America, Africa, India, the Caribbean. If we look at how people are being treated in the way that we gain these goods and services, often low pay, poor working conditions, people using the land to grow coffee, coffee beans, how are they being paid, how are they, how are they being treated? A study in 2016 showed that many British companies control Africa's key mineral resources, gold, platinum, diamonds, copper, oil, gas, coal. Over 100 British companies control $1 trillion worth of Africa's resources. These unjust power structures are centuries old, now reframed by free trade and debt, but essentially creating the same unhealthy and unjust power structure dynamics. Profit generation is not reinvested in these countries to help set up infrastructure or help the people, but actually a lot of the profits end in Europe. And if we follow where the money is going, where the profit is going, it's mainly going to white dynasties. It's a cycle of dishonour. And we find ourselves within this global structure which feeds into our culture in the UK. There are norms in our culture which unfortunately echo the same unhealthy, unjust power dynamics. COVID has disproportionately affected the poor, disproportionately affected minorities. Those in lower paid jobs have not been able to, to shield, work from home, or maybe get the protection that they need. So this has had devastating um, impacts on families, um, in terms of sickness and death rates. It's feeding a cycle of dishonour. At a micro level, just to help you understand some of the nuances of racism in the UK, I just want to share a few of my stories over the last few years as well. So firstly, if, a couple of years ago when I started my uh, job, I was walking, talking uh, with a colleague, and out of nowhere, literally, this tall white man just came and, and bashed me out of the way. In that moment, I was vulnerable, shamed, didn't even know what to do, didn't say anything. Uh, the white colleague that was with me didn't know what to do, was equally shocked. But you know, we never spoke about it again. He asked how I was, and I was just like, I'm fine, and I moved on. 
whether I'm wearing my best work clothes or, or my joggers, I will get followed around shops, and it's one of the main reasons that I don't um, like shopping. Um, I manage a small team, and you know, whenever we meet anyone new, they always assume the white person that I'm with is the manager. You know, and in that moment, they might be polite, they might be smiling, but that person in that moment is subtly telling me that I don't have a place in the role that I'm in. And it is dishonouring, um, and it's belittling. And I have asked my white friends, you know, does this happen to you on a regular basis? And to be honest, consistently, the answer is no. And I've been reflecting um, on these experiences, and it doesn't even come into my thought process to tell people about it, apart from Rich, because it's become normative behaviour that we accept. Would it surprise you if I told you that I don't have any family members or black friends who have not experienced something racist in their lives? From wealthy friends uh, who, you know, at the age of 15, tackled to the floor by a group of policemen in Heathrow Airport for no reason, or no good reason, uh, to being deliberately run out by drivers in the road. If this doesn't shock you, then I hope at least um, you'll be moved to righteous anger. In each of these examples I've provided in my personal experience, I didn't say a word in that moment about my dishonour and shame. To be honest, I didn't know what to say. But my silence in those moments um, does support a normality to that behaviour, and perhaps it makes it um, invisible. In recent months, I realised that Christian voices have largely been silent on this issue for very long. And I realised that as a Christian, I also need to speak up about injustice. Um, to be honest, I think I've gotten off quite lightly in terms of my um, experiences, but I do know lots of uh, family members and friends that have had a lot worse. Um, in Proverbs 31, verse 9, it says, Speak up for those who do not have a voice. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. So I asked the question, do we speak up on behalf of those that are suffering injustice? Do we defend the poor and needy? Are we silent? We can start by honouring and lifting up our brothers and sisters by even just first acknowledging that this suffering exists. When our scripture today says to honour, it's to lift up those who we think are less honourable. This directly speaks to our context. There is an imbalance of fairness and privilege weighted against people that aren't white. As Christians, we need to bring the light of Jesus to these injustices. Our passage today tells us that every member of the church is important. Everyone matters and that we all should be honoured within the church. So let's pause a bit on uh, verse 21, where it says, if the eye says to the hand, I do not need you. So I want you to think about the challenges that I've just mentioned, that I face personally. And I want you to think about people who face covert racism on a regular basis. They walk into church and they love the diversity they love the warmth from the people, which I love and I miss meeting together. Uh, they love the worship. They love the tea and coffee served by an amazing hospitality team. But 
they may often find themselves sitting alone. They may often find themselves without anyone to talk to. Uh, they may experience comments made about what traditional dress they should be wearing. Um, some may experience assumptions being made about their um, song choices and interests. Instead of feeling honoured and included, some have actually felt the opposite. Not all, but some. God is bringing this situation into the light because he loves us and he wants us to be unified. And he loves us so much, he wants us to reflect in our hearts whether we have been one of the ones that have said to another part of the body, by the way we act, I don't need you. I don't need your fellowship. I don't need your culture. I don't need you in my home for dinner. I don't need the effort of stepping out of my comfort zone to understand you. God is calling us to need each other more, to care for each other more. And that goes for each one of us. Each member, each part of the body is to honour and care for each other. It's mutual, it's reciprocal. In this moment, there is a calling on our white brothers and sisters to understand the context of a racist society and how that may affect our thought patterns and actions, whether consciously or not. I think in a lot of cases it is probably unconscious. Some of these actions have resulted in dishonouring parts of the body. And we need to pray for renewed biblical thinking. The Bible says to look out for the stranger. Stranger can be translated as someone who's different, someone who's foreign, one who's an immigrant. Leviticus 19 uh, verse 33 and 34 says, Don't mistreat any foreigners who live in your land. Instead, treat them as well as you would treat citizens and love them as much as you love yourself. Remember, you were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Do our friendship groups display this openness? Do we allow God to break into our comfort zones? Do we walk across divisions that have been set up by society for us to follow? The church is here to display something completely countercultural. And if you feel you need uh, courage in this season, so do I. Uh, but I truly believe that God wants to display his kingdom uh, through Revelation Church. This process is not easy, but we will get somewhere good. Can you imagine a church of the nations, of every tribe, every tongue, united in heart and mind for the gospel? Isn't that a wonderful picture? And I don't want to wait for heaven for this. I want to see God's kingdom on earth now. <laughs> we need to be gracious to one another as we learn in this season, as we learn to grow deeper as a family, to learn to love each other more and love each other well. And I, I believe Rev is such a place of love. And God is taking us to a place so that we can, we can learn to love well and love more. Mistakes will be made, 
But the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And whilst we were yet sinners, God came and he forgave us. So let this same love, honour, lifting up grace that God has shown us be poured into all members of our church family. You see, this idea of showing grace um, and loving one another um, and lifting one another up, it's actually central to the gospel. Um, Why? Well, because that's what Jesus did to each one of us. Regardless of our gender, status, ethnicity, when we were enemies of God and had no honour, none of us, Jesus came and walked the earth, fully God and fully man. The Bible says that the punishment for our sin was death. And Jesus, through his perfect life, gave himself for us in our place. And he died the perfect death. His death satisfied the debt of sin that we owed. But here's the incredible thing. That wasn't the end. Jesus didn't remain dead. He rose again and ascended into heaven. Amazingly, if we will come and turn away from our sin and repent, he will raise us to new life in him. He lifts us up. He regenerates our hearts. He renews our minds. And by us being baptized into one body, as we saw in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12, he's caused us to be born again and born again into his body, the church. You see, Jesus is the model or pattern for us to follow. For those of us who have put our trust in Jesus, we now have the opportunity as the body of Christ to lift one another up, to esteem and elevate one another. The good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, it goes beyond ethnicity. But wherever we see injustice, even within the body, um, our duty as fellow members of the body is to bestow greater honour to one another, to lift one another up. But in order to do this, our first step absolutely must be to come and repent of our sin and put our trust in Jesus. And if you've not done that today, I want to urge you, that has to be the first step. Only by receiving Jesus' death as a gift that satisfies that punishment for our sin, only in that can we truly be lifted, have our hearts and minds transformed so that we can bestow uh, honour on our brothers and sisters. You see, the basis for honouring Christian brothers and sisters is that our identity is now in Christ, that we now reflect his image. It's actually not dependent on us at all. It's not dependent on our culture or background. It's not dependent um, on what we've done or, 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 or anything like that. It's dependent on the work that God has done to transform who we are. Because we believe that God has lifted us And it's irrespective of our background and ethnicity. And we must reach out to those from different ethnicities, honouring them, lifting them up, that we do this, that as we do this, we affirm the work that God has done in their lives. And we build relationships on which we can display trust and vulnerability. We can model unity and grace towards one another. We must also realise that bestowing honour and lifting each other up means that actually we must allow others to lift us up. We can all too often deny others uh, the dignity of their contribution or gift. Uh, Let me just give you a quick example of this. Um, 
When I meet people, um, I often, most of the time, will offer um, to pay for whatever it is, whether it's a coffee or a sandwich um, or something like that. And I remember one time I was meeting a friend, um, and we did that funny dance after you finished, you know, where it's kind of, ooh, who's going to pay? Um, and whoever gets to their card the quickest uh, kind of gets there first. And um, I, I jokingly quoted to them um, just a scripture, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive, you know. And, and, and quick as a flash, he replied and said, well, okay, can I have some of that? And in that moment, it kind of hit me uh, that by denying him the opportunity to pay, um, although it was kindly to offer to pay, um, I was also saying something about his contribution, that I didn't need his contribution, that I didn't need his help. And in order for relationships to be robust and healthy, we must strive to bestow greater honour, but we must also be willing to be lifted up ourselves. By denying people that opportunity to lift us up, it might be kind from our point of view, but it can also be rooted in pride. We might also be telling them that, that we don't need what you have to bring. We don't need your contribution. We're fine perfectly without you. But we must put aside pride and we must allow others to lift us up. To, to esteem and elevate us, to, to, to speak the truth um, that God says over our lives. Um, so where do we go from here? Uh, firstly, I want to say that um, despite Richard and I immersing ourselves in each other's co cultures for almost 20 years now, um, despite enjoying uh, friendships with people uh, from all walks of life and ethnicities, uh, we're still very much humbly at Jesus' feet, just asking him for, for daily wisdom and grace in this area. It's really a commitment to lifelong learning um, and a commitment to walking grace with each other. Uh, we've journeyed in appreciating different cultures, um, and, and our different cultures and the quirks on both sides. Um, but the fact that something as simple as someone's colour has become so complex, dogmatic, emotive, divisive, it's not the heart of God. So we want to bring the Father's heart, just, uh, yeah, the Father's heart of compassion to this area. It's something that we felt for a very long time, just racial unity. Uh, but there's a lot of work to be done before we get to true unity. Uh, but God started this process now. Um, yeah. So I think it's still important to, to pray. Prayer is so important. And it's just humbly coming before God and saying, God, we need your help. We need you to make this plain for us to understand. Plain for us to understand your heart in this. Some of us are confused as to why we're doing this series on race and grace. And for those of us in this place, I'd ask you just to seek the Lord, ask for understanding, ask for compassion. Some of us get it, but we, we want answers. We want change. We still need to pray. We still need to pray for wisdom as to how to make a difference. Uh, pray for strength and unity of the church and pray for courage in this season. And this time we would ask you to just take a moment to reflect if there's been any time in your life um, where you have dishonoured anyone due to their ethnicity or culture, perhaps in your thought pattern, 
inappropriate joke making, condescension, been prideful? Have you thought badly about people based on, on stereotypes? If God has highlighted something uh, specific to you in this moment, just take a minute to bring it before the Lord, uh, to repent, and Jesus will forgive as we turn away from sin. In Christ, there is conviction, not condemnation. So if you're feeling an unhelpful weight of guilt with nothing specific, I would just lift this to Jesus right now and perhaps ask a friend to pray with you. Uh, this is not about condemnation, uh, but it's about getting somewhere good in Jesus. God has highlighted this issue during a season of social distancing, which does make this a little bit tricky. Um, perhaps it's so we don't rush into clumsy action and words. We have space to reflect. We have space to heal. And I love the prayers that were coming through earlier with uh, Bex and Angela. Just actually, there's, there's so much opportunity in this space. So I would urge you to, to in this season of, of social distancing, just come before the Lord. Let him soften your heart on this issue. We truly believe that this series is about God softening our hearts for, for each other. Um, and it's a good thing to seek wisdom and understanding. Uh, the elders have recommended books. Um, please do make use of, of getting those books and trying to get understanding. Um, and just as one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. Just in the same way we rejoice together, we suffer together. So as we draw this time to a close, we want to have in our minds how can we lift each other up? How can we lift every member of our church up? So I urge you, don't sit passively in this uh, season, waiting for someone to convince you why this is important. Pray, read, talk, listen. Ask the elders if you have any questions. We are limited in meeting uh, together face to face. And this does limit what we can do practically in this season. But um, if we should just op open up our, our hearts to a new openness for people, for all members of the church, a new courageousness in our friendships. And think about ways that you can practically honour people, all members, particularly minorities in this season. And above all, we are asking you to, to be for the church, unified church. Let's not give in to moaning and complaining, but let's be together in this. This is an opportunity for unity. It's an opportunity to learn how to love each other better, to lift each other up, to learn to be more gracious and honouring uh, to each member of the body.